Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Kia ora and welcome to this special podcast from Our Changing World on RNZ National. Steve Banks is a science communication student at the University of Otago, and in this podcast, he's finding out about Parkinson's disease. He talks with clinical neurologist Martin Pollock, who has Parkinson's, and with neuroscientist John Reynolds from the University of Otago. My first hint of something being wrong was when I was at a picnic on the beach and had the greatest difficulty in standing up. And then subsequently, one of the doctors found that I was very stiff in one side and he thought this was probably Parkinson's disease. It began in earnest over several years. I didn't feel depressed or as though I'd been hit with a baseball bat, but I was so mildly affected at that stage. I'd had that little difficulty in getting up at the picnic. So it, it eased itself in on me and I wasn't particularly concerned perhaps reflecting that I hadn't really faced it completely. I think the loss of uh, mobility in walking freely over a long distance, over rough ground, I find that very difficult. And uh, to date I've had only three falls over 13 years, so I've been fortunate there. But that's a frightening experience, particularly if you fall and then you can't get up. You just heard from Professor Martin Pollock describe finding out that he had Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's disease is a degenerative disorder of the central nervous system. People with Parkinson's disease exhibit motor symptoms that affect muscle control and this is a result of the death of dopamine generating cells in the midbrain. Professor Pollock has a unique perspective of Parkinson's disease as before developing symptoms 13 years ago, he was the Professor of Neurology at Dunedin Hospital. For 35 years, he treated patients with Parkinson's and other neurological conditions. Professor Pollock was kind enough to share his wealth of knowledge and experience of the disease with us. I've studied myself now with the disorder for 13 years. There are several aspects to it as... I've learned that it's due to multiple nerve loss, each of which have different functions, and so the manifestations are extremely variable. Resting tremor is not seen in everyone, but fairly consistently. It often draws attention to the individual who becomes embarrassed by it. Another finding is the stiffness in the limbs, which can be very devastating, can glue the foot to the floor so that they can't move. 
it used to be thought that uh, the brain itself was not primarily affected. It was lower down in the nervous system. But I was fortunate to see lots of patients who had memory loss. Speech uh, is often of low volume in Parkinsonians and the speech itself tends to be somewhat blurred, indistinct. Another difficulty often is writing. Writing becomes much smaller, ultimately very difficult to read. There is a, a honeymoon period early on in the disorder. It slowly progresses, but in that early period, Parkinsonian patients respond wonderfully well to treatment, replacing the chemical that's missing from their brain. But as the years go by, the drug resistance becomes more persistent, and so ultimately there will be severe disability. One of the effects is to limit emotional response in the face. This can cause difficulties in interpersonal relationships. But once it's explained that this is part of Parkinson's disease, and when they don't smile, it's not because they're not happy or responding to your jokes. It's the Parkinson's disease. I noticed that your hand does shake a lot. Yeah. Is that something that's difficult to put up with? I think it depends on the severity. Although you'll notice tremor in me, it's relatively mild. It hasn't frustrated me to date. So I think, once again, it's aggravated by certain conditions, such as getting cold or a surge of adrenaline when you're watching a football game, and then it dies down again. How have treatments developed over the 35 years that you've treated people? Yeah. Have there been any major breakthroughs over that time? Yes, there have been. Uh, when I first started treating Parkinsonian patients, we had just drugs that had been used for 100 years, and they weren't very effective, and this was reflected in the fact that after a short period of trial, most patients threw them away. They didn't think it was worth it. Subsequently, it was discovered that uh, a particular chemical, dopamine, was crucial in Parkinson's disease. And with its treatment, initially they, they were given very large doses, now much smaller. There have been several variations uh, in the treatment, modifications of that dopamine treatment. And this has uh, revolutionised treatment in the early stages. Ultimately, it will become more and more difficult with side effects. And often these days, people are assessed for surgical treatments with uh, lesions put in a deep part of the brain. And this can be very effective. Parkinson's disease is quite common, with 1 in 500 people being diagnosed. It is more common with increasing age and most people develop the disease in the fifth or sixth decade of life. Dopamine, a chemical in the brain responsible for coordinated movement, is often decreased in Parkinson's patients. There is currently no cure for the disease, 
but there are several treatments available, although all have side effects. At the University of Otago, Associate Professor John Reynolds, a researcher in Parkinson's disease, has invited us into his lab to discuss the scientific aspects of this disease and its treatment. John, could you explain what's known about the biological changes that happen in Parkinson's disease? We really don't understand why somebody ends up with Parkinson's disease. It really is an interaction between their particular uh, uh, genes, genetic makeup, and some environmental factor. We don't really know what that is. So what happens is there is a death of brain cells in the base of the brain in an area called the substantia nigra, which literally means black substance. It actually shows black for people who have got normal dopamine cells. But once you get a loss of those cells, under about sort of uh, 30% of the remaining cells left, you start noticing the, the signs and symptoms of Parkinson's disease. There is a recognised loss of dopamine in Parkinson's disease. Dopamine has been called the happy chemical. So what does it actually do in the brain? So that's a good, good, very good question. One of the things that we're, very, we're actively working on here for a number of years is what really does dopamine do? Um, part of the, uh, the best way to try and, and repair a disorder or fix a disorder is to really understand how the system works normally. So it's made in the base of the brain, but it's delivered into the front of the brain. And it appears that if you are given some pleasurable stimulus, suddenly somebody gives you $10, you're not expecting it, then there is a big pulse of dopamine. These dopamine cells fire very fast and they release dopamine into those areas. And so it appears from, from many years of research that what it's trying to do is to reinforce the thing that you did that led up to you getting a reward. So what are the current treatments for Parkinson's disease? The logical thing to do is to replace the dopamine, and that's certainly what has been done for many years. But you can't give dopamine to somebody orally or intravenously because it doesn't get through the, the blood-brain barrier that stop things bad getting in, but they also stop drugs getting in. So you can't give dopamine, it won't cross the blood-brain barrier. But we can give a precursor chemical called levodopa or L-dopa. So the good thing about L-dopa is that it, it circulates around and it goes into the brain very readily, and it finds its way into the existing nerve terminals that are still there, and it gets turned very nicely into dopamine. And the great thing about that is that it sits there at the end of the nerve terminal waiting for normal neural activity to release it. So basically people, when you first put them on L-dopa, um, it almost seems like a wonder drug because they can do the things they could do before. But what happens over time is that you're still losing those nerve terminals. So you start losing the enzymatic machinery required to make dopamine. And that can be one of the causes, we think, as to why with a number of years of use of, of uh, L-DOPA that people start developing abnormal movements. There are also other drugs that one can give. If you forget about the nerve terminals and you say, well, give a drug that'll work on the receptors for dopamine, then there's these direct dopamine agonists that can be given that actually just go straight to the receptor. And, um, and they do also improve movement. Um, the trouble is that they're not re being released in the natural timing that dopamine is from L-DOPA loaded terminals and it can lead on to some funny reward effects like people get, uh, can often get very hypersexual, they, they can become uh, shoppers and gamblers, they become very obsessive in some of these things, um, overeating, because it's like a reward signal, it makes all the things that you're doing much more rewarding.
There has been some unsuccessful attempts to use stem and fetal cell implants to treat the condition. Recently, a small study has shown promising results using a capsule of pig cells from our very own New Zealand Auckland Island pigs. What's different about this study? So this is a study that's uh, been done in Auckland and organised by a company called Living Cell Technologies. And what they've found with the cells from these pigs is that they, they can put them in a capsule that removes some of the immunological issues that one might have with a graft. They put in the capsules and the capsules are implanted into the area in the brain that normally receives the dopamine. And what they do, they're not actually, they're not, I don't think they're quite clear of the mechanism yet, but they're not actually releasing dopamine. What these cells are doing, they're uh, cells actually from the um, lining of the ventricles and they make, um, they normally make uh, cerebrospinal fluid, the fluid that bathes the brain. And what these cells are doing is they're making growth factors. And it's thought that what these growth factors are doing is actually doing a bit of repair on the areas that have been damaged with Parkinson's, but they're not very clear on the mechanism. Now, this, the trial you've mentioned is uh, a phase 1-2A trial, and they're found in four people. All four of them have reported uh, pretty good improvement, and one is for as much as 18 months. We heard from a personal and professional account the difficulties of living with treating and advancing our scientific knowledge of Parkinson's disease. There are some promising new therapies on the horizon for the one in ten of us who will suffer from Parkinson's disease in our later years. To learn more, visit Parkinson's New Zealand at www.parkinsons.org.nz To listen to more podcasts made by science communication students at the University of Otago, check out Our Changing World's Summer Science web pages rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld Botox Cosmetic out of botulinum toxin A FDA approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information including boxed warning visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300 remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name to see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.